So today is part three of our special series called Shine, and I want to set it up for you real quickly. There's a keystone passage that we've been looking at that's kind of set the, 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 the um, course for this series, and so I want to share it with you real quickly as we get started. So the passage is from Matthew chapter 5, and we'll put it up on the screen for you here. It's a passage where Jesus says, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so this series is all about shining, shining. And, and you might ask, what does it mean to shine? What does it mean to let my light shine? Well, it simply means you let what is inside and hidden inside, you let that be shown to people around you. Um, we've talked about words, we've talked about actions and ways that we can do that. Um, just for a quick synopsis then, um, in week one, Ben, as he introduced this series, he talked th- about the fact that we're all kind of like light bulbs where we've, we've been given the capacity to shine, but by nature, none of us do because of sin. But when God came to us and when he connected us to the power source of Jesus, it's then that he sort of flipped the switch and enabled us to... Uh, understand him and also to proclaim him in this world. So uh, 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 week one was you have been designed to shine and you've been plugged in to shine. And uh, Ben even mentioned a great thing from week one, you've been strategically placed to shine, whether that's in your, your neighborhood or in your career, wherever it may be. You are a light of the world. Uh, last week, I don't have anything to give away, but if, if I could, I would make this a competition. Who can come up with the answer first? What was the um, object lesson that, that Ben had with the light? What, what was it that he had? Light in the darkness. What was the object? Extension cord. Thank you. All right, extension cord. And, and the idea was we can't tell the darkness, hey, come darkness and, and uh, be near the light. We can't tell darkness to come to us, but we can bring light into darkness. And so Ben told that story in Acts about the Ethiopian eunuch and, 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 and um, a Philip. And, and by the way, did any of you go online and, and see what eunuch means? I think that's what he told you to do last week. He didn't want to explain it for you. But it was a great series, a great part, because what he did last week was it was more of a practical approach. How is it that we can bring our lights out to the world? And there was a lot of great practical advice. If, if you missed last week or the first two weeks, I invite you to go online and check those out. They're great. So Ben talked more about the how we shine our lights in this world. And today what I want to do is I want to address more of the why. Okay, um, Matt, Ben, I want you guys to convince me why I have any reason to go out and share my story. Why, why, why? Um, To start off, I want to tell you a long story. It's actually three stories that kind of interweave with one another, but it's really important, so I want to share it with you. And I'll go quickly. Story number one is kind of my story. As we send guys through the seminary to learn how to be pastors, the third year that they go through is called what we call the vicar year, the vicar year of the seminary. Vicar is simply a really fancy, churchy way of saying we're interns. They send us off to a little church, and the pastor there helps us you know, learn from experience what it means to be a pastor. So my vicar year, my third year of the seminary, they sent me out to Salt Lake City, Utah, to uh, have, be at a church there, not at the temple, but at a church there that, that I would get to learn from the ropes. And, and the pastor there was a great guy, still is a great guy, named Mike Quant. Um, he was a professor at the seminary for a little bit after that, and now he's starting a new mission out in uh, St. George, Utah. But anyway, they sent me to Salt Lake City where I got to learn how to be a pastor with hands-on experience. When I was there, this is kind of the end of my uh, part one story, when I was there, I met a guy in that church and his name was Jeff. 
And you know how sometimes when you meet someone at a first impression, it's like you're judging them based on how they look and, you know, how they, whatever. I'll just summarize Jeff in one word. And I'm not trying to be funny. This is, this is, this is sincere. Jeff was scary. I have nothing against bald people, but, you know, he had that bicked head all the way shaved down to nothing. He was complete skin. Um, he had these, these eyes that just, at first, it's kind of creepy. It's like, okay, are you going to bomb me this week? It's, it's that kind of look in his eyes. And he had, tat- I have nothing against tattoos, but you could tell, you know, he had tattoos up and down his arms, and it was this very deep thing that he had going on there. And uh, beyond that, you know, I could tell he was in his 50s, but his skin looked like more, he was in his 80s. Um, he was a, a a chain smoker for much of his life, I think from the time he was a teenager, and I think he had smoked things other than cigarettes also. So this guy had a very colorful past. So the first impression, you know, Jeff, this scary guy. All right, so that's my story. Story number two is about the church there. Um, Mike Quant, the pastor there, he was very well known for being this very engaging speaker. He's a, he connects well with people, and he had a Bible information course, which is like our starting point. And he would get 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 people attending these Bible classes, just an introduction to Christianity, and he would engage people, and, and he was, that's one, that was one of his gifts. And so what he did several years before I got there is he was going to start one of these courses, and he had this little invitation card for the members of the church there. He said, take these home and give these to somebody who needs to hear about Jesus. And so the members of the congregation in Salt Lake City would take these cards and hand them out. As it turns out, one of their members took it to work where he was handing it out to one of his, you know, one of his buddies. Okay, so that's story number two. Story number three, we're going to weave these all together. Story three is Jeff. And, and he'll tell you this story too. Uh, he, he grew up very much not going to church, as you might you know, guess from the tattoos and the smoking and, and this weird look. Uh, he, he never grew up with a church background. Maybe that didn't sound right. It's like all churchy people are <laughs> different. But anyway, um, he grew up, and throughout his life, he was very much against anything that stood for God. He was atheist. He was agnostic. Whatever it was that suited him the best at that moment, he hated God. He hated people who believed in God, and he would persecute people. He would shame them. He would mock them. He would you know, try to undermine their faith any chance he got. Okay, so here's, here's where Jeff's story kind of blends together with these other ones. So this guy from the church in Salt Lake City, he brings the invitation card. He gives it to his friend at work. And his friend at work says, you know what would be funny? You know what would be funny? If we take this invitation card and we put it on Jeff's locker. Guy who hates God, guy who hates Christians, he'll just love to get an invitation to go to a Bible class, right? And so they're chuckling to themselves, this will be great, this will be great. So they, they put it on his locker and they're kind of standing back and waiting for Jeff to get there. And sure enough, Jeff gets there, he sees this invitation, he kind of grimaces at it, and he, you know, the guys are laughing at him, so he takes it down. And he says, you know what? I'm going to go to this Bible class and make life miserable for the guy who's leading it. <laughs> and I, I talked to Mike about this too, uh, Pastor Quant, and, and he said he, it was horrible <laughs> for several weeks. It wasn't just the first week. It was week after week after week after week. Jeff would come to these Bible classes, and he would make life miserable. He would be rude. He would be belligerent. He would point out seeming discrepancies in the Bible and how things just don't add up. And, and so, you know, week after week after week. And then I got there. And, and Jeff is telling me the story, and these are his words, not mine. He's telling me he was so focused on attacking Christians. He was so open to the opportunity 
of sitting in one of their groups and undermining it. But one day as he was sitting at home, he was thinking about all the things that that Mike had been telling him in class and then looking at the way things were lining up in his life. And as he tried to put them all together, he kind of came to this epiphany, this moment. And he describes it, again, not my words, his words, he describes it as a light switch was being flipped on. He wasn't searching for God. He wasn't even open to the idea of God. But he unknowingly put himself in the presence of God. And the Holy Spirit did some work on him. And I encourage you, if you're ever in Salt Lake City on a weekend and you go to church there, look for a scary guy and he'll say, Hi, Jeff, I want to hear your story. And he'll, he'll tell it to you. He's a good storyteller. Part of me thinks, and part of you probably thinks too, if you're like me, if only I had a story like Jeff, I would be so, so ready to shine. If I could tell a story where I was as transformed as he was, if my story was as compelling as his, then I would be a lot more ready and a lot more bold and a lot more willing to tell my story. Let me leave you hanging with a little what if. What if, when all of us left this door today, what if all of us were convinced that our stories are just as compelling as his? What if Jeff could stand up in front of you and say, you know what, I have a great story, but my story is the same as yours. Would you believe him? Would it change the way you look at things? What I want to do today is get you to think twice about your story. I want, I want to put the why behind sharing your light. Why should I go out? What makes me so important? And, and to answer that question, we're going to look at another guy who, what, I would say that this other guy's story was even more compelling than Jeff's. In fact, there's no other Christian in, in all of history whose story is as compelling as the Apostle Paul's. You know, he went out and he was very zealous for God, according to his definition. He was persecuting Christians more than just making fun of them in Bible classes. He was carrying them off to prison and they would put the Christians to death. He was killing believers in Jesus. And then one day Jesus flipped a switch for him. He said, Paul, Paul, why are you messing with me? That's my New Age translation. He said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? That's what the Bible says. And, and from that moment on, Paul actually went blind for a while, but then God turned on the lights for him. And Paul became the greatest church planter in the New Testament. Now we're going to look at some words from Romans chapter 10. And what Paul does here, he's talking to some Christians in Rome. He's writing them a letter and he's saying, look, you guys have a story that's compelling and you're a part of a story that needs to be told. And as he tells them their story, I want you to also consider what is your story. And I'll I'll help you along the way to to make some conclusions that the story you think you might have, well, there's a lot more to it than you might think. We're going to start off in Romans chapter 10. First of all, I almost forgot this most important fill-in. If your story isn't compelling, you are not going to tell it. If, If you're not convinced it's compelling, you're not going to tell it. That's true of me. It's true of you. And and. What we want to do is make sure that our story is compelling. And we want to see why it is compelling this this morning. All right, uh, Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 12. Uh, He starts off with this. Paul says, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. 
And, and right away, I want to get you thinking about something. Maybe the reason that, that I and you, you and I, have been a little hesitant in sharing faith is because we think that we only relate with certain people. Like, I can only share my faith with people I can relate to, with, with uh, poor people, with uh, rich people, with average people, with, with uh, people who like to do whatever. You know, we can automatically think, I can only connect with such a small group of people. But Paul says that's not true. Uh, there's really no difference between anybody because there's only one God and one Lord for all of them. And then he goes on to describe this. It's, it's what kind of a Lord is over all people. There's one God and one Lord over all, and he richly blesses those who call to him. And that word richly blesses, it simply means that God is plentifully supplied, plentifully supplied to answer anything that, or to give anything to someone who might ask. Uh, God, I need this. I got a whole basket full of those. Here you go. God, I need this. Okie dokie. I got all that. You know, no, no matter what you ask, God is plentifully supplied so that when you call on him, he can give it. He can answer. When God, uh, when we call on him, he can answer. And this is the, the way that he continues this uh, sentence here. Uh, verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, what is it that God has so much of? Love. What is it he has a big basket of in heaven? Forgiveness. Salvation. No matter how many people ask him, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need your forgiveness. Give me forgiveness for the sake of Jesus. And God says, I've got plenty. I'm full of forgiveness. I'm full of salvation. Uh, here you go. Forgiveness, salvation, forgiveness, salvation. You know, he gives everything to anyone who possibly asks because that's how much he has. Now, I want you to think about something. When you are shy with your faith story, why is it? And what are you saying? When you and I tend to shy away from our faith story and say, well, mine isn't all that great, mine isn't all that impressive, what you're saying is, God was not giving you all that much to begin with. And this is something that kind of drove me to my metaphorical knees this week as I thought about you know, all the opportunities I've had, but I don't, I don't want to bother people. My story isn't all that exciting. I don't want to share with them. When we think that, when we think our story isn't as exciting as Jeff's or as exciting as Paul's, what we're saying is that we're minimizing God's place in our story and we're emphasizing our ability in our story. And this is a, a transformational moment because finally you, you have to come to the, to the realization that of all the people in this world, I need God just as much. Whether you're talking about a Jeff or a Paul, you can't, you can't just point at Jeff and say, wow, that guy really needed God. And you can't point at Paul and say, that guy really needed God. I don't need God as much as they did. Or, or God really transformed Jeff. God really transformed Paul. I, I wasn't all that bad. God didn't have to do a lot of work on me. You see, you see what, what happens when we think our story isn't all that compelling? We start to minimize God's place and overemphasize our own. And that alone drives me to repentance. And that alone drives all of us to realize how much we, we fail to appreciate. And, and I recognize I'm talking mostly here to Christians who have been Christians their entire lives and it's, it's maybe a little bit different for some of us who have uh, become Christians later on in life. 
Uh, but the, the, the tendency is always there to minimize my story and to say that somebody else needed God more than I did. Now, here's the good news. You look at this verse. God is plentifully supplied with love. And no matter what you brought in here today, maybe you're looking back and you're just like, oh my goodness, what have I done? I've been so selfish. I've been so minimizing what God did. That doesn't matter. I want you to throw that away because that's what God is giving to you who call on him. Forgiven. You're forgiven. Salvation. Salvation. I give it to you. I've got plenty of it. Day after day after day. Here's where a new story starts. Here's one thing that we really have to drive in. A key point number two. There's plenty of Savior to go around. <laughs> it's not like he's going to run out or that it's only for some people. There's plenty of him to go around. And here's what you really have to re- remember. There's even enough of him for me. Even enough for me, the person who has so much belittled his part in my story. There's even enough for me. Now, Paul goes on. He's going to pick up on a word he said. He said, anyone can call on God, and God will will answer him. And now Paul's going to to really explore how you are a part of the process. And he goes on here in the next verse. He says, verse 14, how then can people in darkness, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And you might be wondering, what does it mean to call on God? It simply means, like we said earlier, we understand that there's a need in me and there is an answer in God. That I am stuck, I am in sin, I have no options, but God is the one who can forgive and save. And so to call on him is simply a way of saying, I know who he is and I ask him to forgive. And that's something that the Holy Spirit works in us. So how is it then that they can call on him if they don't believe in him. Well, what does it mean to believe? Well, he goes on, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How are you going to trust him if you don't even know what he has to offer, if you don't know that he's plentifully supplied? How can you believe him? And then here's the, the key part that we want to look at in this next section. How can they hear without someone preaching to him? And this is really the core part of what Paul is getting to. How can they hear. To hear leads to believing, leads to calling and receiving God's blessings. But how can you hear unless someone shares? And he goes on, uh, how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? How can they preach unless they are sent? And and he, he eloquently lays out how you and I play a very important role in this in this process. So you ask, why should I share my light? Why is it so compelling for me? Because God made you a part of this. And I know one of the things that we often worry about is, is we're worried, yeah, but I don't want to you know, force my beliefs on someone else. I, I want to respect them. I, I'm afraid of the way that they might react to me. And then we just have to get back to the basics. Do you believe that God has supplied you with forgiveness in Christ? Do you believe that Jesus is the only way? Then you know what? The message that you're going to share is one of importance, and it's one of complete beauty. And Paul backs that up here. He references something in Isaiah. He says, how beautiful, how beautiful, or the Greek word, how timely, or even how welcome. So good to have this message. How welcome are the feet of those who bring good news. 
Before we move on, there's one other thing I want you to do with, with this section, and that is to put the word I in it. How could I call on the one that I don't believe in? How could I believe in the one that I have not heard? And how could I hear unless that person came to me? I want you to think about that. Who was the person that came to you? Was it mom or dad? Was it a neighbor that invited you to church? Was, was, it, uh, was it maybe some anonymous face knocking on your door, but the, the message they brought made their feet very beautiful? Who was the person that was sent, and who was the person that shared with you the gospel? What if you wrote a thank you note to them? Who would you write it to? What would you say? What are some of the things that that you would think about? I think it's important for all of us, especially especially those of us who have been Christians since we were kids. Uh, It's really important for us to remember and to value that simple truth that somebody was sent. Somebody spoke up so that we could hear and believe and receive. Who was it? Fill in number three. Somebody was your first light. Somebody was your first light. And, and maybe it'll take some, uh, maybe there's an opportunity to say, hey, thank you. Uh, thank you for being my first light. Thank you for, for not being too afraid. Thank you for not holding back. Thank you for sharing your story. Now, as, as, as you think about, you know, it's, it's a risky thing to shine and to let people see what's inside of you. In fact, Paul acknowledges that. Here's kind of the disclaimer to this entire message today. It's in verse 16. Here's your disclaimer. Not all the Israelites accepted the good news. Not all people will accept it. In fact, Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus, he gave a very godly complaint. He said, who, Lord, has believed our message? What I'm going to do on the screen, I'm going to put some words in italics because the words in italics all have the same root word. They all come from the same base word. The word accepted and the word message both come from the, the core word, which means simply to hear, to hear. Sometimes in the New Testament, the word accepted means, or it's translated, obey. And sometimes even in there, obey the gospel message, which is kind of a weird way of talking about it. Uh, But basically what the word accepted means is there's this not just hearing, but hearing and then applying. Hearing it and then saying, yes, this this message, what you're saying is relevant for me. It's this applying of the message. It's an accepting of it. And Paul says not everybody is going to do that. Not because there's something wrong with your story, but because this is something that's been going on for for hundreds, even thousands of years. People will not accept it who has believed our message and again that message it's kind of the story the thing that people hear why haven't they accepted it and this gets paul thinking about something else and this is where we're going to end up he he finally summarizes it he's like you know what maybe i'm scaring you a little bit let's just focus on the positive and let me sum everything up for you so that you see why your story is so compelling he closes with this consequently Because of everything I just said, to summarize everything, consequently, I'm going to translate this how it kind of appears in the Greek. It's kind of awkward. It says, consequently, faith is out of the hearing. Faith has its origin in hearing. And hearing 
is through the story of Jesus. And it's kind of, it's really hard to translate that into English that makes sense. And the NIV does a great job. Basically, it's saying this. You know what? Faith comes from somebody sharing the message with you. And what is this message? It's not just your story. It's your story through, with, surrounded by the story of Jesus. Now, I, I want to talk about that a little bit. You know, your story and Jesus' story. Here's the, the difficult thing for a lot of us who have been Christians since childhood. The difficult thing is we can't point to a transformational time in our lives where God flipped a switch and, you know, this big change came up. And so that might make it hard for us to share our story. So think of it this way. This, is, this applies to me and I think a number of you too. Think of it, okay, this is my life right now, the way it's going, and you know, I've got the, the, the light of Jesus. I know who he is. He's been transforming me since I was an infant. But then I want, to think, I want you to think about what is possible or what would have been possible without him. Here's my life in darkness. And here's where I start to ask myself questions. What kind of a husband would I be if I didn't know Jesus? And I'm not saying that I'm a perfect husband, but I'm saying I know what God says about husbands, and he gives me a model to live by. What would I be like as a father? How would I interact with people on a daily basis? What would my career be like? How would I have handled that, that tragic situation five years ago if I was in darkness? And I want you to start thinking about your life as two possibilities, especially if you're a lifelong Christian, because this is going to help you relate to other people who are in the darkness. And they're going to be sharing their side of it with you, and you're going to be like, you know what, I can't. I have no idea what that's like, but I can imagine what my life would be like if I were in your shoes. Because when you do that and when you start to put yourself in other people's stories, then you start to get it. You start to apply what, 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 what Paul is saying here. That my story isn't so impressive because of what I've done. It's impressive because there was a point at which Jesus made his story collide with mine. That there was a point in history when God said the time has fully come for me to send my son into this world on a, on a collision course with all the stories that ever happened so that he would make a difference in time and in eternity. And, and when you start to, to embrace that, you realize your story is no different than Jeff's. And your story is no different than Paul's. Different perspectives, yes. Different experiences, yes. But the change is the same. So I'm going to leave you with this. Uh, key point number four, fill in number four. With Christ, your story can be somebody's first light. It's can be somebody's first light. And I know last week uh, uh, Ben did a lot of application and practical advice as far as how to share your light. I want to give you one more thing here. Last week he said, I want you to fill in the blank with that one person in your life who might be in the darkness. And if you can't fill it in, find someone. You know, that was kind of his advice. My advice for this week is once you have that person... I want you to become a part of their story before you try to change their story. Become a part of their story before you try to change their story. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Um, I was thinking, okay, I, I, if I'm not ready to, to try this out, then I'm not going to tell you guys to do it. Uh, last week, the, the weather, or, sorry, yesterday, the weather was so beautiful, and usually I spend all of Saturdays when I'm preaching behind the desk, you know, trying to tweak the sermon. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take an hour or so. I just got to enjoy outside. So I, I went for a run, 
and uh, the, there's a nice little trail, hill, trail here just south, um, you know, 205th Street, which kind of takes you all the way down to the interstate, it goes down underneath, and, and it takes you right by Lake uh, Marion, Marion Lake, have you ever gone down that road, 205th, yeah, okay, so I was running down along that trail, there's Marion on the right, and then, you know, the trail on the left side of the road, um, and have you ever driven down that road or walked down that road and you've seen a guy with no shirt on with a big stick who's waving it at people? Have you seen that guy? Some of you have? If, if you haven't, just drive by there. He's basically there all the time. He's walking very briskly. He's got this giant stick. He's kind of waving it at people. It's just, just a stick out of a tree. And he's waving to people with a big smile. I saw him for the first time, and I was like, oh, my goodness, don't make eye contact. You know, this guy with no shirt on, he kind of has that Forrest Gump look. It just, you know, when, when Forrest is running across the United States, he had a big beard and stuff. And so I'm like, don't make eye contact. But then I, I saw him a few more times. I'm like, hey, he's kind of friendly. And so anyway, yesterday, I'm running down towards, you know, the interstate, and who's coming towards me? But this guy with the stick, you know, shaking at cars as they walk by, you know, smiling at them, and I'm like, this guy's got to have an interesting story. And so I, I, first, I, I run by him, I just, you know, politely, you know, say hi, and I, I keep running by, because I know that I can't run that far, I'm going to have to turn around soon and come back the same way. And so I, I turn around, uh, you know, a, a few minutes later, and I come back, and sure enough, he's still there, you know, shaking his stick at people. I'm like, all right, this is it, this is it, this is it. I said to them, uh, good morning, you know, I've, I've seen you out here a few times, my name is Matt. And he, you know, he shook my hand, big smile on his face, he's like, hi, my name is Tom, his name's Tom. And I said, you know, this is really cool, you know, you're out here a lot of times, basically every day, and I've heard even in the wintertime, he's out there with no shirt on, waving at people with his stick. And I said, it's really cool what you're doing out here, you know, kind of putting cheer into people's days, and he's like, yeah, I, I enjoy it, I enjoy it, it, it uh, makes me happy. And I was like, well, how long have you been doing this? And he said, well, I've been doing this for over 10 years now. Going out here, he didn't say this, but <laughs> going out here shaking my stick at people and, and waving at them. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. And, and I didn't want to dig too deep. You know, I was just scratching the surface because I know where he is and where I can find him again. But I'm like, you know what? I want to be a part of this guy's story. And I've heard from other people, you know, he'll say things like, God bless you and things like that. And so I think that this is maybe his way of shining his light. But I'd like to figure it out. I'd like to see I'd like to see if maybe my story can become a part of his in some way. And if not him, then maybe, you know, the, one of the guys I work out in the same building as. We both have our headphones on. We don't talk to each other. You know, but maybe, maybe my story can become a part of his so that my compelling story can change his. And one thing I want you to think about is you're saying, yeah, but I don't know all the answers, or, you know, I, I don't shine as brightly as I would like to. I'm at about 25 watt. I'd like to be at 100 watt before I go and share my faith too much. It is a prerequisite to be a light that you don't have all the answers. That's necessary. It's a prerequisite to shine your light that you're not shining as brightly as you would like to. Because if you wait to shine as brightly as you'd like to, you are not going to shine. So I want you to think, maybe this is, a, you know, your new story starts today. Start thinking about the people in your life whose story can meet up with yours so that his story can make the change. 
And, and as, as we close today, I want to plant an idea next week. You know, t- today we're talking a lot about individual things. Next week, we're gonna, um, uh, Ben's going to talk about the way that we can serve as lights together as a congregation, as a group, and what we can do to encourage each other. But uh, as we leave today, I want to pray for two things specifically. Number one, for, for me and for you, as uh, we would have confidence to know that our story is indeed a compelling one. And second of all, for the people that might be joining your story very soon. Let's close with a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, uh, as, as we think about the ways we've been shining as your lights, uh, if, if the people listening to this message are like me, then there's a certain amount of guilt and shame in recognizing that we've often minimized your role in our stories and, and over-exaggerated our importance. We acknowledge that we are in need of what you offer, just as much as the Jeffs in this world, just as much as Paul. And the transformation you have made in us is equally amazing. Now fill us with confidence as we look at the stories of our lives that we can see how you have been making a change and an impact all along the way so that we can be convinced that our story of faith is a compelling one that needs to be told. Now we pray specifically for those people who may be coming up in our lives or who are already in our lives that we would uh, be loving and be open and and be hearing so that we can become a part of their story so that hopefully one day we can share the, the purpose and the hope that's behind ours. So I ask all these blessings uh, for myself and for the people here listening today. And as, uh, as we close off, we also join in the prayer, uh, Jesus, that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.